Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Maneater Digest podcast. I'm your host this week, Clara Unger. I'm excited to catch you up on some of this week's stories directly from the reporters. First up, I'll be talking with news reporter Emma Stefanuti about the most recent general faculty meeting. Hi, Emma. Hello. Welcome to the Maneater Digest. First, can you give me a rundown on what happened at this week's general staff meeting? Yeah, so basically um, at the staff meeting, uh, President Montoy and the provost announced the launch of this new investment plan um, called Mizzou Forward. Um, it's, I think, one of the biggest investments they've made in the university's history. They're going to be allocating $1.5 billion over the next 10 years to further uh, and expand research at the university, and they're doing this in a number of ways. Um, they're going to be hiring about 150 more faculty and staff um, over the next few years. They're going to be raising salaries, um, investing in uh, more research infrastructure like the Next Gen Health Institute, um, and they're going to be um, investing in a lot more student success programs, um, strengthening the advising department, just a lot of big changes over the next few years to kind of rebuild the university. Was there any talk about the impact of adding 150 new professors? Um, well, he didn't, uh, Montoy and the provost announced this, they didn't really point out any negative impacts of it. They um, mostly talked about how one of the main reasons we've fallen behind as a research in university in terms of research output and like expenses on research was that we are losing um, faculty that does this research because we don't have enough um, incentives for them to stay. We aren't paying them enough. And so the two ways they're doing that are bringing in more staff and then paying the current staff more. And they said hopefully that would um, produce more research at Mizzou. And this is over the next 10 years, right? Are there any like short-term effects that we'll be seeing while we're at school? That was something that um, left me confused. They talked a lot about their long-term goals, but not really a lot about the specific timeline for it or how any sort of accountability on when we could expect those changes to happen. Um, it was all very long-term, um, so we'll just have to wait and see. So our campus is dealing with some pretty tense issues right now. I know the staff did not make a point to bring up hazing or masking debates. Were you surprised about this? They have these general faculty meetings um, once a semester. So you would think that this would be like the one time where uh, people express themselves a little more. And there was um, a section for Q&A or comments at the end. But um, faculty mostly pointed out, you know, a big part of this, the presentation that they gave was we want to support uh, faculty during this time. We want to, you know, make this a better community. But the faculty didn't seem very convinced by this. They pointed out they found it was very contradictory, especially recent, um, you know, controversies over the potential like reduction of their salaries and benefits and uh, tenure. Um, people were very upset about that. There was an issue about race brought up um, because. The presentation talked about how one big part of why we're falling behind is we don't give enough recognition to people who are doing research. We don't help them get awards. Uh, we aren't paying them enough. And a black man, a assistant professor from the math department, he pointed out, you know, all these issues disproportionately affect uh, faculty of color, especially black faculty. We aren't getting enough recognition. And if we want to, you know, foster a better community, we have to start from the very simple things. You have to not be scared to interact with me on campus. We have to have a more like open communication. You know, we have to start there before we make all these big promises for the next 10 years. 
that's interesting. Did they get a lot of support from other faculty members? Yes. I mean, um, him and one other woman that I think the chair of Black Studies was also there and also spoke up about this. Um, they got claps from the faculty. There was a little bit of a, a surprise reaction because one of them said, you know, I love this message of community and bringing the faculty together, but some of the people in this room are scared of me when I see, when we see each other on campus. And that got like a very surprised reaction. But overall, it was pretty positive, um, their attitudes toward that. Thank you, Emma. Next, we'll talk to news reporter Olivia Mizell about an article she wrote about sustainable shopping in Columbia. Hi, Olivia. Hi. Welcome to the show. Can you start off by giving a brief overview of your article for those of us who haven't gotten the chance to read it yet? Um, yeah, so it's about some of the thrift stores downtown. I focused mainly on Mod Vintage, um, but also talked about the wardrobe. And it just talks about some of their sustainability practices. And just like I interviewed um, the owner of Mod and then one of the employees at the wardrobe. And they just talked about um, sustainability in their businesses. How'd you come across this story? Um, I am really interested in sustainability and fashion. I'm still working on shopping more sustainably. Um, it's definitely something that I need to improve on, but I'm really interested on, in thrifting. I've always really enjoyed thrifting and I kind of wanted to, um, dive into some of the thrift stores downtown and talk to them. Do you shop at stores like Mod Vintage? Did it like change your view of them? Um, I've never actually vintage shopped before, but I really want to go back there because before I interviewed Sabrina, the owner, I like looked around and I was like, there's a lot of good stuff in here, but I've shopped at like traditional thrift stores a lot and I really enjoy doing that. Did you see like a big difference between the two vintage versus thrift stores? Um, mainly price, honestly. And like the vintage stores just have a lot more like curated stuff. Like some of the stuff is like upcycled and like, cause she buys it all and like picks it all out herself. So thrift stores have like a higher volume of stuff for a lower price. And you kind of touch on this in your article a little bit, but do you see like a huge difference between the pros and cons of each type of like sustainable shopping? Um, I would say the biggest difference is that traditional thrift stores can like encourage over donation and over consumption um, because as much as thrift stores need clothes, sometimes people can go through their clothes really quickly and just like donate them to thrift stores and get new ones, which kind of still encourages fast fashion. Um, whereas like with vintage stores, there's not like the clothes aren't donated. They're like curated. Um, I think that kind of stops that from happening as much. What did you learn that surprised you while researching this story? Um, Probably the amount of clothes that are put in landfills every year. Um, I don't remember the exact number, but it was very high. <laughs> How much did you look into the effect of um, girls, mostly girls, not just it, but that will resell clothes on the internet for higher prices? Um, I do like, I do know about that. And that, that is a problem because they're taking clothes out of the stores that people in a lower income bracket might need and then reselling them for a higher price for their own benefit. I didn't really touch on that much in the article, but um, yeah, I do know that that is a problem. And your article came out in the print edition of the Man Eater this month. Congratulations. Thank you. What was it like to know that you got an article in print? Um, it was exciting. I didn't know that it was going to go to print, so it was cool. Thank you, Olivia. 
If you haven't gotten a copy of this month's Maneater, you can pick it up on campus or check it out on issue.com. Our last reporter this week is Tegan King. She has the details on two researchers at Mizzou hoping to fight food insecurity. Hi, Tegan. Hi. Your article talks about some really exciting research that's happening at Mizzou. How did you come across this topic? I actually found it by just sort of looking around on Mizzou's website, and they there was actually a story about it on the College of Engineering's website, but it was much more of an overview of one of their specific projects that uh, Professor Kiraba Krishnaswamy was working on, and I thought it might be interesting to either talk to her about that specific project or just like learn a bit more about her work in her lab as a whole. So that's sort of where I came from. So this article is pretty heavy on scientific terms and ideas. Was that a difficulty in the writing process? It was a little bit heavy on that, that I, I had to make sure and go back and like make sure I knew where, where the terms were coming from. So it required a bit of extra reading on my end, I think, and also just like clarifying with both the professors I talked to, making sure that I understood what they were saying and that they were like making their point, like getting their point across in a way that like I wasn't messing up when I was writing about it. Is that kind of science like an interest area for you? Um, I would say so. I'm definitely interested in like environmental stuff. So it like clicked in my head, but I wanted to make sure even though I was getting it, that like people who were reading it would also get it too. And that I wasn't like going to leave them behind kind of thing. That's what it is. So food insecurity is a very timely topic right now. What new ideas did you come up with regarding that topic after writing this article? Um, well, I hadn't really ever thought about like sort of the difference between food insecurity and food loss, which was something that Krishnaswamy talked to me about. And then also how like water related to all of that, which was another thing that I learned about in writing this article. So it, it sort of made me like rethink how those things are related, which was very like very eye opening, I guess, when, when going through this process. So the university announced a new long term research initiative this week, Mizzou Forward. How do you see that impacting researchers like the subjects of your article? Yeah, so so I was looking at that and I thought it was really interesting how they're setting aside a whole like $1.5 billion. Like that is a good amount of money. And it looks like a lot of it is going to that next gen precision health building that's new. It looks like a lot of that's for like propping that up a bit more. And that's, I think, pretty big on like innovation and creating new scientific uh, experiments, discoveries, that kind of thing. So I think it'll help a lot of like similar initiatives in that building Um, and a lot of it I also saw is going towards like new lab equipment or lab space so that kind of thing too so I don't know how much will necessarily go to the two professors I talked to but maybe they'll get a bit maybe like similar initiatives will also get some too because there's like that's just such a large amount of money that it's probably going to be in my guess it's probably going to be going to be spread out in that way. Do you think that an emphasis on research at public schools like Mizzou is an important thing to do? Yeah, I would say it's a pretty important thing, especially because Missouri S&T, if they want to get some some students that might go there instead, if they want to sort of get that draw from those students who might consider that school, I feel like this kind of thing could be beneficial for Mizzou. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in terms of like attracting like STEM interested students. Thank you, Tegan. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. That's it for this week's Maneater Digest. Make sure to hit that follow button to catch us every Friday. This week's podcast was edited by Clara Unger. Special thanks to Emma Stefanuti, Olivia Mizell, Tegan King, and Ellie Lynn. I'm Clara Unger, and we'll see you next week.